Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to have each of you here. Uh, Maybe you are new. My name is Greg, Greg McKinney. You can call me Greg. You can call me Pastor Greg. You can call me Pastor. You can call me Hey. I will will answer all of the things. My wife and I, uh, we have the privilege of being the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and we, we try to do it just like we lead our home. We lead our home as a united front. Um... Because as you know, if you have kids in the room, uh, like if you have kids, they want to go to one parent, and then they get the answer from one parent, they don't like it, they go to the other parent, if you're not, you know? And so we just, we're, we're, not, we're not one, uh, one individually, we're one united. So we lead this place, she's a little bit more of the background, but if you, if you want to know me, you got to get to know her, because she's just, I mean, she's the best part of me. So you should meet her, yeah, woo! Uh, but last week, I'll let you know, I, uh, we started this fast on Monday. And so su- on Sunday, I was able to speak it. I was able to cast the vision for fasting. If, if you've never heard about fasting or you feel a little awkward because you've never done it or you're like, is that what we're talking about again? No, we're not talking about fasting again. But I do encourage you, if you want to listen into something and you have connections with uh, the ability to get online at any time, we have a podcast even on our website, uh, which is at the bottom of, of that connect card. You can listen to that sermon. And I just encourage you to do so, uh, especially if you're confused on what fasting is and maybe you want to jump in. Uh, we, have, we have two more weeks left of this, all right? So maybe you want to jump in tomorrow morning with us and join it. Uh, but that was it. And I started this story, and I'll preface it so you'll, you'll have some meat already from that week. Uh, I started a story in the Old Testament uh, found in Second Chronicles. And so I just want to bring you into it, all right? We're going to be all back where we were last week, all together. Um, in Second Chronicles, it's a story of King Jehoshaphat. And you're like, that's a name. It is a name. Uh, it's a lot of name. And the people of Israel were coming up against an enemy, uh, a, a very real enemy. They wanted to kill the people of Israel. They wanted to, to drive them out. And they were all coming at, at once from three different lands. And they were like, God, what do we do? What do we do? It says that the king was scared, so he fasted, and he called a corporate fast, a kingdom fast. And so I told you last week, I don't know about you guys, but I have things that come against me, and it's not physical stuff, but there's a lot of mental things that come against us. Anyone feel anxiety in the room? Is that, is that, is that real for anyone else? Fear or insecurities or doubt or addictions, they come against us. And maybe it's not a physical enemy, but a lot of our flesh is a big enemy to us. It's attacking our marriages. It's attacking our ability to do work. It's attacking our stewardship. It's attacking our joy, our hope. And so I called a citywide, a, a nationwide, a churchwide fast for our family, our church. And so he did this. And as they were singing and praising, the Lord told them, he told them, if you remember this, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. That's what he says. And that sounds fun, except for the fact that like, uh, those of you who maybe remember the time when you didn't believe God was real, uh, do you remember believing that? And then you look at the physical people who are armed and coming at you, and it's like, but God, they're coming. But the battle's not yours. But God, I got sleepless nights. But the battle's not yours. God, I cannot take the thoughts in my own head. But the battle is not yours. God, my marriage is falling to pieces. But the battle is not yours. God, I just don't know how to end that or what to do. But the battle is not yours. It's really hard to trust that. But the battle is not yours. And so they were praising as they were told. And what I loved, my small group, uh, we mentioned and hit on really deep that, that the story continues. And it says that the king led the people out because they were not supposed to battle. They were supposed to stand firm and watch the Lord. So the king said, I want you to go out to the place that you're supposed to stand. It was a mountain. So we can say, I'm on a little stage. This is a mountain. I want you to stand still and sing praises. And literally, it says, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against their enemies. Literally, the, the enemies below them began fighting and killing one another so that no one was left in the valley below. That as they praised, 
the Lord sent an ambush. And then the story picks up, and it's really beautiful that they actually were able to go down into the valley, get all of the goods that were from the enemy armies, and take them home with them. And it starts, picks up right here. And I just wanted to read this because some of you need to believe this today. It says, then all the people of Judah and Jerusalem with the king at their lead, at their head, returned to Jerusalem with joy. It said, for the Lord had enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem, their home with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all of the kingdom of the countries at which they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and this last one. And the realm of Jehoshaphat, the king, was quiet. For his God gave him rest all around. If I can get very real with you, I believe this is a promise for you. If you, if you let me speak this over you. I believe this is a promise for you, that God is going to do some battle if you stand and watch him, if you give it to him. And I believe something that you have not experienced in a while, if you let the king lead you, Jehoshaphat, lead you into praise, if you let the king, Christ, lead you into praise, I believe you will return home with joy. And why? Because I have been praying that the Lord will give you the ability, he will enable you to rejoice over your fears. He will enable you to rejoice over your anxieties. He will enable you in this place to rejoice over your strongholds. I believe he will enable you, if you let him lead, to rejoice over that which has kept you down. I believe it. And guess what happens at the end? The realm of the king was quiet. I believe something that maybe you haven't experienced in a long time will happen. You'll go home. You'll shut the door. The sun will go down and your mind will be quiet. Anyone need that? I believe. I believe in this room because of the power of Jesus. What can happen is you go home, the lights are down, the kids are in bed, which may take hours if you, you know, they're they're asleep. You can sit down and the realm of your thoughts are quiet. Why? Because God gave rest all around. That is a promise I believe is from scripture, that's real, And it is real today, and I am excited because uh, there is something heavy that we're talking through this morning, but I believe God is going to enable you to rejoice over it, all right? Can we just be with that? I, if I can be vulnerable with you, I had one of those breakthrough moments this week myself, all right? So it was day four of, and this is pastor share time, okay? Um, This was day four of the fast, of fasting, and I uh, was home Thursday mornings. I do homeschooling with my kids. Uh, Bless my wife's heart for handling that all the time, uh, all the other days. Uh, I do it on Thursday morning, and I was a little snippy at my my daughter. I was a little snippy. Now, not as harsh as I've ever been, but how many of you are like just really vulnerable while you're hungry? Anyone? So I I think like I was just like, I was mushy feeling it, laid my head down that night to sleep, and the Lord said, Greg, you've been praying. As backstory, my wife and I, our prayers of breakthrough that we told our small group is we want our culture of our home to be kind, to have hope, to be joyous, and our children are just snipping at each other. They're fighting. They're, they're, they're harsh words are being spoken, and I just laid down and at once overwhelmed with how much that was taught by me. (sighs) It just hit me. You are harsh to your children. And it comes out like, so I realized a mental stronghold that I even have of criticism. And it comes out when I'm anxious. It comes out when I'm tired and I am critical, frustrated. It comes out in my, my very matter-of-fact words to my children, my very matter-of-fact words. So maybe you've heard it before to you. And it's just, and it's so pointed and, 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 and stabby. And I broke down. I felt the Lord said, this is not from you. 
And then I began, I believe he showed me, because we've been praying for this, uh, I believe this is a generational curse. My grandfather was not the kindest man. In fact, uh, he was a little, he was physically as well as verbally abusive. Um, and then I grew up in a household with my mom was very verbally abusive until she met the Lord. And I just remember like nothing was, no, no pain was big enough for her to care about until she knew, knew Jesus. It was always get over it. It was like, you can get it, you know, we, we met those people. Maybe you were one of them. Uh, get over it. And I began to realize the Lord started showing me dad to daughter, daughter to son, now dad to daughter. I'm the harshest on my little girls. And I was like, I'm not letting this curse keep going. It's stopping with me. I will, I will not let my daughters be like this to their sons. Because it goes dad to daughter to the daughter to son to daughter to son again. Like, and I just, I can't. I will not. It stops with me. I broke down. I cried. I got out of bed. And Kate was like, what happened? I got out of bed. I wrote my daughters a little letter. Uh, I said, will you forgive me? I wrote Trey a letter. I wrote Autumn a letter. Will you forgive me? I should not have gotten mad at you when you're trying to make eggs today. And half of the egg got in the plate and the other half got onto the floor. I should not have, like, I should not have said that and made you cry. You don't deserve that. Will you forgive me? I told Trey, like, I shouldn't, you don't deserve me to say those things to you. Will you forgive me? I said, will you pray that I'm healed? I need healing. Daddy needs healing. Uh, <laughs> so I said, daddy needs healing. And I gave him, I left it by their beds. The next morning, um, they come to me and uh, Trey's holding it. And she says, daddy, I forgive you. And she says, I prayed for you this morning before you woke up. <laughs> And then Autumn said, Daddy, you can't read all of this. Can you read it to me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Uh, and so then I read it to her. She was teary-eyed. I'm teary-eyed. They laid with me. Uh, it was really good. It was really good. But I believe that God wants generational curses that you don't even know you have to be demolished in this place. Strongholds that are mental. This is a mental stronghold that comes out and I don't even mean to. I don't mean to let it be so so rude or to have that, that air of, of, of anger attached to it or disappointment. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to do something. So if you're writing, a, taking notes, a stronghold is a pattern of thought that has been conditioned in our minds either over a period of time or by the intensity of a traumatic experience. It is. That's a stronghold. And so just to let, make it make sense for you, I remember as a kid having to be hardened when my mom would talk to me so it wouldn't hurt me as much. And so I had to harden, not let me feel. And that then now shows itself out as the same hardening to my children. And so it's a, it's a thought pattern that has been conditioned over time or some of you traumatic experience. Maybe there was abuse in your past. The traumatic experience, maybe there was a car wreck or an issue and a death happened, or maybe there was a moment when, when your, your family broke. Traumatic experience can bring a stronghold, and often we do not realize that they are there. Strongholds then uh, show themselves in our personality. Strongholds show ourselves in what we talk about, what we don't talk about, what we complain about. Strongholds show themselves in, in uh, what we are willing to divulge and what we're not. Strongholds say they come out in uh, what we're willing to, to speak up or how we even phrase our problems. Strongholds come. They show in how we influence they our thought life, our, our responses, our actions, all of it. And we're about to open up to 2 Corinthians, but I want to give you some basis on, on what the breakthroughs are that I am excited for the Lord to break through. Because uh, mentally and emotionally, those are hard. Those are big. But we will read the word stronghold in scripture. And that is a castle. The word stronghold is, it's another word for a fortress, a castle. That what this looks like in our minds is over time, we build fortresses in our brains, in our minds. And the issue though, is you and I, and sometimes even that little seven-year-old that was abused, 
are locked in that fortress. They're locked in that castle. Unable to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. And then you go into relationships wondering why they don't understand me. It's the castle surrounding that which is who you are. And it's not being seen, heard, touched, changed, moved. God, what is going on? It's the stronghold. Sometimes they're there to protect us. Honestly, I wrote from, from what you went through the past, it was your coping mechanism. And it's not bad that you built it, but the Lord wants to knock it down now. I understand it protected you when you were four. You don't have to anymore. You have a, you have a strong father now, not an abusive father. You have a healing father now. And so strongholds sometimes cause us to fixate on certain things. Sometimes you fixate on certain things. You fixate, if I just had that, it would be better. If I just, I I only think like this. And you're wondering why everyone else thinks something else. Causes us to to plan. Some of you are over planners. And it's a mental stronghold. Some of you are constantly cleaning. Because it's a mental stronghold. That like, if this is controlled, then this can be controlled. And and there's mental strongholds. Sometimes we even fixate on false realities. We think them against me. And it's a stronghold that it becomes. Strongholds can cause us to dismiss things where literally I could say a truth and it won't even be heard. Meaning this, I could say, you are a child of the Most High. You are seen, you are healed, you are beautiful and wonderfully made. You have a purpose and a hope. Sorry to call you out in that way. But I could say these things, and only a few of them would even register. Everything else would sound like this. Or you heard it, you were feeling things, so went up the walls. Strongholds come in. And it's interesting, though, strongholds can make us distracted, or even they can cause us to be immovable. Like, we feel dehabilitated, right? Like, why am I not moving? What is going on? Anxiety is hitting me so hard. Now, I want to give you a good foundation of understanding of this. Uh, Mental and emotional, because I put this on the slides because I need you to believe it. I believe mental and emotional breakthroughs are going to happen today. They are going to happen today in the name of Jesus. Like, I believe it. So some of you just need to, like, see that, and you need to write that down. Mental and emotional breakthroughs are going to happen today, and you need to circle are going to. They're going to happen. If you will just let yourself believe that the Father is leading you into a safe place. It is safe to knock those down. But if we're going to do some work, all right, so let's separate these. Uh, here's what a mental breakthrough. A mental breakthroughs occur in the mind, all right? You're like, oh, cool, doc- Dr. Phil, great, great. I'm glad you put that together for us. Mental breakthroughs occur. Did you get a psychology degree for that, Greg? I want you to see this, though. No other human being on this earth knows your mind but you. So it's important for you to understand this because often you, we like to blame other people for that which is in our own mind. Mental, bre- mental breakthroughs occur in the mind. That's where mental strongholds occur. I can't do that for you. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I don't know what's going on in your mind. There is only one who knows greater than you could ever understand. The Father, the one true almighty most high God knows every single thing about your brain. Mental breakthroughs occur in the mind, but only God knows every part of those pieces of your mind. So we have to come to that. Like We have to realize no one else on earth, but often... Mental breakthroughs do not happen because, one, you have to be honest to him about what actually occurs in your mind. The people outside of your mind can only go so far. 
You have to be honest about what goes on in your mind. And from that, if I can help you, uh, our minds are where patterns of thought are built, where reasoning is, where thinking, where planning, where understanding, where confusion reign. That's what goes on in our minds. A lot of our anxiety comes through mental strongholds, the fear that you feel. It comes through your patterns of thought that you've built on where you reason, how you define things, all of that is in our minds. To get extra counseling on you um, and get a little nerdy on it, uh, it's actually our brain has neurological pathways that when you see something, over time these have been conditioned to now I can see a dog and I think I, I travels back through every experience and every definition. If you've been bitten by a dog, you will have a very different path in your brain than mine, right? And it's a very different. So neurological pathways are formed so quickly that you can walk into a room and your, your thoughts can travel them down so fast. You can walk into a room See how different they are from you, and already you can travel down that thought and guards come up without even you deciding to. You didn't mean to have that happen. You walk in, they look this certain way, you don't fit in, boom, your brain's there, your guards are up, neurological pathway has been traveled quickly, and that's with everything. This is why lust is such a huge, th huge thing. I used to tell, tell uh, guys and girls when I was a youth pastor, like the first look is free, the second look will cost you, right? Like the first look, you didn't know what you were looking at. But the neurological pathway has already traveled and now the addiction is the second look. The addiction is the third look and, and you've already traveled. So we have to change what your brain does when it registers that. But we don't do that. The one who knows Everything about you does it. And it's powerful, though. Uh, I want you to think about right now a Jeep driving through the mud, okay? Some of you have Jeeps. You man, you have big, big tires on it. Um, and it's driving through the mud. Now, the interesting thing about Jeeps and mud and driving, uh, over time, it will create ruts, right, in the dirt. And then it'll get hardened. And when it gets hardened and you're driving, has anyone ever driven on a path that is now hardened in a car? Like, it, and like, you don't even have to touch the wheel because the wheel knows where the path is going because your tires are just in the guardrails of the dirt. You're right. They're in that, that rut. And to the point where you could just lightly hold your hand and the wheel will just turn as it turns. It, it'll turn as it, that's what neurological pathways do. And our strongholds are built so hard in us that we can go free pilot and we will feel those feelings without even meaning to now because we could just loosely hold the wheel and it will travel us. And the hard thing, though, if I could just be honest, is, is when it comes to that, all you got to do is hit the gas and that Jeep will go where the path is showing. The issue, though, is get your foot off the gas pedal. That is, you want to, when we talk about mental, mental strongholds, take your foot off the gas, hold on, pause, because something beautiful occurs. Anyone ever like try to create your own path really quickly? Uh, yeah. Try to take that Jeep against the side of the rut or like the, the road and it's hard dirt. You're going you're gonna to break a tire. You're going to mess things up. It's going to be painful because it's hardened. So the only thing you do, take the foot off the gas, because the goodness of our God does what? You remember when we talked about the Holy Spirit? He brings the rain, and what happens when the rain comes on hardened ground? It gets softened, and as the, as the Holy Spirit begins softening you, and maybe, like, can I'll bring it back up. Anyone feel just extra soft this week from, from fasting, and you're like, I just don't like that people, you, you're taking quick offense to things that used to not take offense to this week, or, or like, you're, yeah, crying because you, you, you yelled at a daughter because she, half of the egg fell on one part, and yeah, yeah I just extra soft, extra vulnerable, because when the Holy Spirit moves, our hearts get soft. And when our, the ground gets soft, the Jeep can leave that path very easily, right? 
When that ground gets soft and it's no longer hardened like that, you can take another, make another path. And it's beautiful. That's what I believe God is going to do. But we have to let the Lord work. I wrote this down, soften us all this week. Like, I'm just like, God, soften my church, soften my heart, soften us all, soften our marriages, soften us at jaw, at our, at our workplaces, soften us when we interact with other people, soften our hearts. So there's emotion or there's mental breakthroughs, but we also need some emotional work. Emotional breakthroughs, if you want to take notes, they happen in the inner man or I guess the inner woman. Okay, they, they occur deep within us. They occur deep in our heart where David, King David would talk about the heart. The heart is the Hebrew word for the inner man, where Jesus would talk about the heart, the heart being the inner man, that which is deep in you. If you want to know what that is, our inner man is where our beliefs reside. It's our emotional core, our desires. It's where faith swells up. It's where our eternal soul is in our inner man. And the interesting thing though is our soul can be redeemed, but there will be aspects of our emotional core that have not been shaped yet. Anyone feel that sometimes? Uh, where our soul can be redeemed, but our mind is still, woo! Our, our emotions are still out there. It's because the power of our God works from the inside out. He's working slowly but surely, but he is working. But I will tell you, to the Colossian church, Paul says, it is Christ who we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone. It is Christ. Because the only way to get through this, to get through the, that emotional stronghold, the mental strongholds, it's Christ. So it's Christ who we proclaim. We warn everyone. We teach everyone. And he says we do this so that we can present everyone fully mature in Christ. I'll tell you the fully mature part. It's not just mentally mature. It's not just that you know your Bible. In fact, I could care less if you know the Bible or not, if you don't actually live it. So that's not maturity. Maturity is not biblical understanding. Maturity is found in transformation. It must go deeper. Maturity must hit our emotional core. It must hit our emotional core. But honestly, if you want to take, this is a little hard. It is often the emotional core of you and I that actually limits our maturity in Christ. It is actually our emotional core, the deep parts of you and I. Because think about it, like our emotional core is like this beautiful piece of who you are that I can just tell you has been hurt. You've developed distrust. You've been hurt. It's been lied to. It's been abandoned. It's been abused. It's been neglected. It's been hurt. You've hurt your own emotional core. There's a lot going on. There's distrust. There's anxiety. And what happens is outside of that emotional core is your mental strongholds. And outside of that emotional core is a castle that is there. And we're like, God, change my thoughts, change my actions, change my desires. I want a deep faith. But the Lord's like, I can't touch your emotional core because you won't let me because of all these strongholds. Does that make, so it's our emotional core. We can pretend that we're mature, but when push comes to shove, if our emotional core has not been healed, if we still have bitterness, if there is still anxiety that runs our decisions, if we still jump back into the boat and we want to sail ourselves, and we, we, there will be a lack of maturity every single time. The Lord wants to get into the deep parts. Think about it. Mental strongholds, the very reason I'm diving into this is they often inevitably keep our emotional core from ever being seen, heard, touched, transformed, where the Father says, I want you. And we're like, but if you knew me, you'd be mad at it. If I actually let you have it, you'd be disappointed. If I, if I, I'm nothing. And the father's like, I want you. But all the buts are our fortresses. 
And then he wants to break through, but we have to say, like, I, 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 not today, Satan, right? Like, no, I, I will not do that. No, I will not. I want this gone. I want this dealt with. I do not want my daughters to treat their sons like I was treated. No, it has to end. So I will start a new pathway because you've softened me. I'm crying like a baby. And I will create a home where forgiveness takes place, where freedom is found, where I will, I will ask my children for help. Like, I'm going to shape this. I'm going to change this pattern. Thursday was my softening. And as he softens, we often start seeing some bitterness. I didn't realize that I had some bitterness still toward my mom. I remembered like crying and her saying, get over it as a child. She's great. Well, now she's dead, but she was great when she met Jesus. Uh, sorry, some of you are like, what? My mom passed away breast cancer when I was a senior in high school. She met the Lord when I was in ninth grade. Her whole life shifted and changed. So sometimes when people die, we have a hard time remembering the bad, right? We only want to remember the good. And I think I did a mental block on a lot of the bad. And I ended up just transferring it into my personality. Um, yeah, don't do that. But it's through the softening that the Lord shows the bitterness where the he, to, uh, to the Hebrews, Paul said, like, don't let a root of bitterness grow at all. I will tell you underneath your mental strongholds in your emotional core, this is a matter of fact. Some of you, these are fighting words to some of you, is bitterness. You have it. You have bitterness. It is a lie to say I'm not bitter to anyone no, you're bitter to yourself. You have bitterness sometimes toward people. You have bitterness towards God and what he didn't do. He didn't show up for you, you feel like. He, he didn't. He did all of these things. There's bitterness, but we don't want to feel it because of our strongholds. So as the Lord softens, those things rise. And so we're going to we're going to ask God to soften the ground, all right? The passage is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> It says, indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but instead they have divine power to destroy strongholds. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. So then we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle that has risen itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, Weapons that we have, we are not like humanity, all right? We're not like the world. The weapons that we have are offensive weapons, all right? This is not some defensive that Paul is talking about. This is offensive. In the hand of the believer has the ability to be the sword of the spirit. Can I tell you how powerful the sword of the spirit is? The spirit of our living God counsels. The spirit of our living God, he destroys things. The spirit of our living God he can take the word and make and bring understanding. Spirit of our living God can, can abolish wrongdoing, injustice, can bring hope. The spirit of living God, out of that comes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We have the power to demolish strongholds. We do. Divine power. He's the God who challenges, who takes the word of God and brings understanding. And those weapons are to destroy the foundations, those fortresses of the mind. They are the strongholds, the fortresses of pattern. We and the spirit together. He wants to work with us. He wants to work with us to destroy arguments. Now, I want to hit on this. There's three, these three things, if, you, if you're going to sit with me, like... You don't want to miss this. There's three things that, that he says we have the power to do if you're going to handle mental strongholds. Uh, one is arguments. Then there's proud obstacles that come against the knowledge of God. And the last one says we deal with every thought. All right, so three different things. Here's some practice stuff, all right? A starting point. That word argument means false reasoning, conflicting thoughts. So we're going to get in this room. This is our group little counseling session. Are you ready? In this room, there's a lot of the emotional core that cannot be touched or seen because you have some false reasoning up here. You have some conflicting thoughts. 
Now, it's not like you have conversations going on in your head. Some of you, you may, and I, that's A-okay. That's more normal than you think. All right, you have conversations. Some of you, what it is, though, is you have thought that is at odds with your redeemed spirit. That is a conflicting thought. And that is a stronghold. It's an argument. Now, I can't tell you all of these, but I did pray, and I was sitting with Dalton. I was trying to get an understanding of how our small groups are doing, the people who are going through fasting, what is going on. And I said, and this is not an exhaustive amount, but we have false reasonings that we have often. And so I've got five of them, all right? And I just prayed. In fact, I just want to pray right now. God, if, if one of these five are not the thing, the false reasoning that's been tied to a lot of these people's strongholds, will you just give them as I speak? Will you give them what theirs is that they may write it down? Will you give it? I believe in the, the power of the, of the Holy Spirit to do that, but here's these five. I'm going to hit them pretty quickly, but I just want you to know it is a false reasoning to be your own defender. And some of you, this is a mental stronghold that you have. I am my own defense. I am. I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect myself from them. I've got to protect myself from being hurt again. It is a false reasoning to be your own defender. Because as we look at this, what you're doing is protecting yourself, but it ends up shielding yourself from the greatest protector. It does. You are not your own refuge. He wants to bring healing. But the interesting thing is when we find a false reasoning, I am my own defender. I defend myself because I don't want to be hurt. And as we dive into this, well, when were you hurt, Greg? Well, I was hurt when this. And as, as I keep going with this, the Holy Spirit, the great mighty counselor, what ends up happening is emotional things start coming to the surface that God can work with. When we own what our false reasonings are, and we actually start tracking them down to where they began, the rocks come up, right? The emotions come up, and they can be dealt with. Here's another one. It's a false reasoning that just because you don't understand it, it isn't for you. No. It is a false reasoning that just because you're in a room and some people are getting it and they understand, they understand the love of God, it's a false reasoning to say, I guess it's just not for me. You see other people getting into worship and you're just wondering why you don't understand it. You're just like, eh, I guess it doesn't, it's just not for me. Or you're in a small group and people are talking about the word of God. Some of you do not go to small group because you get insecure when people start speaking on scripture because you're like, if I don't understand it, I guess it's not for me. Where did that start though? Think about the false reasoning. Where did it begin? Because maybe you heard as a child that you were dumb. Because you didn't get it quickly. Maybe you heard as a child by someone that should have catered to your learning. You heard uh, just, it, I'll do it. And they took over because you didn't understand. And when they took over because you didn't understand, it was clear, it was communicated, that's not from me. So what I need you to do is you say what these false reasonings are. Why do you have it? Let that come up. Remember that moment. No, I don't want to feel that thing. Remember that moment once and for all so that the Lord can heal what rises. Is this making sense? Another one. Some of you, you got to stick with me. Come on. It is a false reasoning that if you do not control it, it will fail. So this control freaks in the room. It is a false reasoning that it was a failure that half of the egg. And I, I will keep bringing this up because it is, a, it is not a failure that, that half of the egg fell on the ground and the other part cooked. That's not a failure. But for some reason in my mind, from my upbringing, I remember being in, getting in trouble for the smallest things. Greg, if you don't, you don't have a hold on it, it's not good. And it not being good is you're not being good. And you, we can travel these lies down. It's a false reasoning. Another one, it is a false reasoning that every strong authority is a bad authority. It is. Some of you will not submit to people in your life because when they showcase a strong authority, you revert back to what happened the last time someone had a strong authority. And you begin to assume things. Can we all admit that the strongest authority in the universe is our God? And some of you distrust him because it's a false reasoning to think that a strong authority is a bad authority. So let him 
Let those things arise so they can be healed. And the last one, it's a false reasoning that your sins are stronger than God's grace. You want to know why you keep giving into your sins? Because sometimes you believe that they are stronger than God's grace. But he says, no, when this temptation comes, I will give you help, a way out of them. His grace, where sin increased, grace increased all the more, right? That's what scripture says. It is a false reasoning. But where did that begin? Was it when, when you were called a, dare I say, slut in high school? And that identity was put on you? Was it when you were called a liar? When you were called an idiot? When you were called a druggie? When you, when you were given that identity, that title? Is that when you began to believe that that was stronger than the, the, the calling of God's grace? We got to realize that, that those things have to rise so that you could say, that's not. God, take this. I am bitter toward those people for that. Because that's when I am bitter toward my mom for making me feel that way. I'm bitter toward my dad for making me feel that way. But it's interesting though. Scripture says we take every proud obstacle that rises up against the knowledge of God. Every proud obstacle. So as these things are happening and the enemy is saying, no, just get over it. Get over it. Just a, a fun little trick. I want get, to get to the bottom of this, all right? But I'm going to say one thing that you can write down and add into your week is this phrase, I rebuke that. Some of you need to start saying that. I rebuke that. Now, others of you, that's too Pentecostally for you. Um, you could say, that's not me. That's, I disapprove. The word uh, rebuke just means I will not align with that. I disagree with that deep down. That's not me. So when those things rise, when, when, when that thought comes in, when that anxiety sets in, some of you need to believe that there are spiritual entities attacking us. All right? There, there are. Some of you want to act like the enemy is not real, but you also act and don't act. You also don't behave like God is real either. And so that's like literal proof that the enemy is real because you're still sitting in the toxic Hey, so it's just, I just want to remind you, like, every attitude, every attitude that comes into your mind, yeah, every, yeah, he's already got power, yeah, so I will, I will let you know, though, as we get into that, I will, I will let you know, the interesting thing, though, is as we allow this to happen, not every thought that you think is from your own self. Can we, can I just say, not every feeling that comes, some of you get the tingles of distrust and you need to say, that is not me. You walk into a room of godly people and you're like, you get the tingles of distrust. Why? It's not because they're distrusting. It's because they are trusting and you don't want to trust anyone with your things. Right? Like, and so not every tingle is of your own self. Like, it's not the spirit of the living God. It's, it's a false spirit. So I rebuke that feeling. I was praying to God uh, in the middle of the night, uh, and I was just having a good trail of thought this week. And my ankle starts hurting. And then I got on this, like, three-minute, like, massage on my ankle. And I'm like, what is going on? And I completely forgot what I was praying. And I'm like, no, I need to get back to that prayer. And I literally, I rebuke this pain. Like it distracted me. Can I tell you, like it went away. Now I know that sounds really hooky. You could get over it. I rebuke that because it says every proud obstacle that comes against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is gnosko, which means the experience of God. That pain was coming against me talking with the living God. I'm just going to rebuke that. I'm going to focus on my Lord. And so everything that's coming through what you are doing to experience God, I rebuke that. That feeling like I'm trying to sit in the community. Yeah, there might be distrusting people in here, but I rebuke the lie that says everyone is distrusting because I'm trying to experience God in this place. So I rebuke that. And so this, let this phrase be because we destroy every proud obstacle. And then the last one says, and we take every thought captive. Now you're like, every thought? Greg, I think a lot of things. It says, we take every thought captive. Now, this will feel overwhelming, but can I, just, can I just make you see this differently than maybe you've ever seen it before? 
Paul's not saying that there's this step plan that every time you think of something, you need to, you know, push it, push it to obedience to God. And it's just this whole little filing cabinet. That, that's a, I hate filing cabinets. Like, that's a lot of work. That's not the point. The point is doing what the king Jehoshaphat did. Israel, when you get to that place and you see the enemy down below you, praise God. It's not saying to take every thought and then form it into obedience, but literally create thoughts that obey God. So it's this both and. Yeah, things will come up and you need to cause it to obey. And you need to say, I rebuke that. But the living active work of this is in all things I will worship my God. That means every thought that I do have will be obedient to the Lord. It will command his greatness. It will, it will praise him. And it's way, it's, way then more, it's way simpler than you think. It's at the beginning of the day, I'll start this hour. God, you gave me an hour. I praise you for it. At the beginning of this day, like I'm brushing, you, you gave me these things. I praise you for it. I will direct every thought to you of praise. It's not just I have to sit and wait for those anxious thoughts so that I can direct them to you. That's passive. It's I will praise. And when something comes up, when something comes up that isn't me, I'll put it out. I'll put it out. Sometimes that could be uh, you take a thought captive by rebuking it and then praising. Sometimes you take a thought captive by saying, no, that's not true. That's a false reasoning. And you let the Lord insert truth and you speak truth. Other times you take a, a thought captive by changing your complaints into prayers. All right. All of those things because you're directing prayers, you're directing praise to the Lord. Does that make sense? And as this happens, things will rise. As this happens, as you deal with false reasonings, as you start demolishing uh, all of the, the proud, the things that are raise, rising up against you, the enemy will lose his hold. He will. But as this happens, memories of childhood are going to come up. And your job, this is all the Lord has asked for us, to forgive seven times 70. As things rise up, your job is to not let there be a root of bitterness in there. And so even as this happens, you can destroy mental strongholds all you want. But if what rises up, you don't give to the Lord, then you'll keep building more. You will, because more people are going to hurt you. So let that come. Realize I am bitter to them. I am. That false reasoning began here, and I need to forgive my, my dad. That false reasoning began here, and I need to forgive myself for those sins. Like, that false reasoning, it began here, and I need to forgive all of these people in high school who, who hurt me. And, and it seemed, I just put it back as if it was nothing, but there was a whole host of craziness going on in my mind that's not even mine. No, it's not. I will, I will forgive those people because there's no foothold that the enemy has. There's bitterness in my heart toward the Lord. He didn't do anything wrong, but I've blamed him. So father, forgive me for that. It's, it literally goes back to forgiveness. Asking my daughters, will you forgive me? Praying to the, the, the father that night, will you forgive me God for doing this? And then receiving his forgiveness. And then also granting it. Some of you, you need to grant the, I choose to forgive them for this. I choose to forgive them for this. In fact, here is a good phrase. And Ben, I'm going to bring you on up. I don't want to do a song at the end. Uh, we could just play, play some music. If you want to uh, just play the, the chords to that last song, it's great. Uh, ben, you guys can come on up. We, are, we have a deliver, healing and deliverance ministry in our church that we've been building up, all right? Uh, that we've been building up for some time, and it has facilitators and it has prayer warriors in it. And if a lot of this feels really heavy and you're like, I don't know where to start. I got a lot of false reasonings. Can I just tell you, if you want to write on a connect card, I want to be, a, I want, I want to meet with someone in that ministry. We don't even, you can just call it whatever you want. All right. I want, I want to meet with someone in that. We have a workbook that just helps you. The spirit of God literally works through this workbook. 
And it just helps you clarify some of these things. You'll see statements of truth and, and you'll realize like where your thought blocks come in at. And it is a beautiful, powerful time. We've had even the people who lead it are doing it just like a, a little like, yeah, yeah. And I want you to be loud. Those who've done it. Has this been helpful for you? Those of you who are leading it. Yes. All right. Say it loud. Come on. I want to hear it. There. All right. We got some. Yeah. Woo. And there will be more. All right. So if you want to write that down, this seems really heavy. But for those of you who already some bitterness came up, uh, I want you to do, to do this. It says, dear father, I choose. And while the band plays later, I want you to, to do this. I choose to forgive my mom or my dad or that sibling or that uncle. I choose to forgive those people in high school for what they did or failed to do. Because God, as you've brought this up, in my emotional core, I felt rejected. I felt alone. I felt worthless. I felt inferior. I felt ugly. And the people that God brings to your mind, I, I challenge you, even in this place, just start doing it one by one. Maybe names are just flowing in your head that you need to, to ask forgiveness for. The roots of bitterness have been in your heart. It's interesting, all of our strongholds are connected to places of bitterness. So as the band plays, like, Father, I choose to forgive. And when you've done that, the table's open. In fact, we have members of our prayer team are going to be up. If you need, just want to pray with someone. We have some oil. If there's things going on. This oil isn't fancy or powerful, but it is scriptural. When someone is sick, bring them to the elders. We can lay hands and pray. So I encourage you, sit. Let God bring the names. Let the bitterness rise that it may be dealt with. In fact, I just, I got I just got a word this is weird. Here you go. Beloved. Here you go. Beloved. Feel what you've been afraid to feel one last time so I can have it. All right? Beloved. Feel what you've been afraid to feel one last time so I can have it. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.